Nova Entertainment and Media Week presents In Her Own Words, a podcast series featuring interviews with a selection of interesting women in diverse media roles. The series looks at their stories of resilience, career highs and lows, and how they juggle the demands of life and people around them. I've always respected anybody who says, all right, I've got this opportunity. That's what really gets me going in life. I was different. I was definitely different. It is absolutely life-changing. Women are very good at doing what we do. In this episode of In Her Own Words, Media Week editor James Manning sits down with Jennifer Hansen, whose passion for news and media has seen her career extend from TV to radio. She's a writer, published author and was part of the longest serving news duo in television history. Jen now co-hosts Smooth FM 91.5's More Music Breakfast Show alongside Mike Perso. Jennifer Hanson, welcome to the Nova Entertainment Series of Podcasts Thank we've you. been doing with Media Week. Thank you very much. It's very uh, interesting being on the other side of the questioning situation. Usually I'm the one asking the question, so it's very new. Now tell us about Smooth FM Breakfast, doing very well in Melbourne these days. How long Thank have you been you. with it? This is my fifth year, which has just flown by really, so it's been fantastic. I was reasonably new to radio when I started here. I just dabbled a bit at a couple of other stations we won't mention, but uh, <laughs> this has been my first permanent full-time job, and it's been great working with Mike. He's taught me a hell of a lot, and I think our relationship has really built over the years and is reflected on air, which has been great. Okay, now you hear, so Mike Perso, you co-host the show with him and you present the news bulletins. That's right, and and, and I'm the traffic chick. Don't forget the traffic. (laughs) It's a real skill to presenting the traffic. Yep, and now (laughs) news is fairly um, significant part of the smooth offer, isn't it? Because that audience really, it's one of the things they engage with. I think that was one of the reasons they wanted to bring some newsreaders who are well-known, such as our wonderful news team in Sydney with the likes of Ron Wilson and Steve Blander and, of course, um, Glenn being such well-known names in the news business. It brings a credibility to our bulletins, which I think some listeners really appreciate because a lot of commercial radio stations news is maybe just a little flippant thing that's added on here and there and it's not treated as seriously. So we're trying to draw an audience who also wants a good overview of what's happening in the world. Okay, now to podcast listeners outside of Melbourne, mm-hmm. you've got a good news pedigree they may not know about. Well, I started in news. Oh, I started in newspapers when I was still at university. So I started at Melbourne Uni doing an arts degree, and also wrote for Farago, the newspaper at uni. And student uh, rebel, were you? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wore a long grungy coat and a hat at one stage, <laughs> thinking I was very cool and looked like a dork, but that's fine. <laughs> but I was also working part time at Peter Isaacson, so I was writing for three publications. Okay. The Sunday Observer, Hospitality Magazine, which great industry to work in, which is about restaurants and hospitality, clearly, and also the Southern Cross, a local newspaper covering all sorts of local issues. And then when I was in second year uni, I decided I didn't like uni and wanted to work in media full time. So I thought I'd drop out and send out a lot of resumes and applications and Channel 10 just happened to be taking in cadets. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but I actually scored a cadetship at the end of second year uni and they encouraged me to finish my degree, which I'm glad they did because after two years, it's a bit silly to ditch it. So for one year, third year uni, I did both full time. That was a very busy year doing Channel 10 News and University. So I did graduate, which was wonderful, and uh, then lasted at Channel 10 for 20 years. Ten of those years, the last 10 years, I was reading the main five o'clock bulletin with Mal Walden. Okay. Now, when you started at 10, these days, 10s, 
in sort of central Melbourne, not far from the city That's of South right. Yarra. That's right, at the Como building. Were yes. you out in the Nunnawadi when you were there? I started out at Which was a long yes. way out of Melbourne. Yes, right? and I remember when I started dating my husband, Fletch, let's call him <laughs> Fletch or Alan Fletcher, some people may know him as Dr Carl in Neighbours, he used to laugh at the fact that I had to drive so far out to Nunnawadding for my job and, you know, like six years down the track after we were married, the tables turned, the newsroom was moved to Como in the city and he got a job on Neighbours and mm. had to drive all the way out to Nunnawadding. So that was... <laughs> That was good payback. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. We'll talk probably a little bit later about women in the workforce, but I'll bring it up now because newsrooms have always seemed to me maybe ahead of the pack when it comes to sort of numbers of women in the workplace. Is that right, do you mm. think, or not so much? I don't know. It Well, it, well, it maybe could be different now. I think in terms of female journalists and women making their mark, that was starting to happen when I was in the business. Clearly, Yarn Event was an icon already, and there were definitely women like Carmel Travers was an executive in the business as well after being on air herself. So people were making their mark and being role models, but I don't think there were enough women in management and probably still aren't. And I think there was a lot of sexism in the place that definitely I experienced over the years, but I think things have improved a little since way back when. When you look at things like the Me Too movement mm. now, if that was happening back in the day when you started, that been great. would it have been a lot different? <laughs> would have been place? wonderful. <laughs> so many stories I could share, but then sometimes they're best left in the past. And also I think the problem sometimes if you go too deeply into things that happened a long time ago, people see you as painting yourself as a victim, and I definitely don't wish to do that. Mm. Mm. The difference between radio and television you've got to explain it all on radio where <laughs> obviously with tv you've got the aid of the well, pictures yeah sure i think one thing i love about my role at smooth compared to being a newsreader in tv is that while tv was great and i had a connection with the camera and loved working with the camera crews especially and the makeup staff and the camaraderie of a team in tv I was very much limited to presenting the words that I was given. We could alter them a little bit according to, you know, and have a little bit of input. But with radio, I'm really in charge of the bulletin that goes to air. I write with Nicole Gunn, who's a brilliant journalist and helps me with the bulletins in the morning. In fact, writes most of them. I will sort of add to that or write the entertainment stories and we work together well. But also with Mike, I'm able to chat about things that are going on in Melbourne, things that are happening like the Oscars or, you know, add an opinion about something. And I think with Smooth, because we're a very positive focus station, we can try and talk about things that will also help people. So it might even be as simple as recipes or, a, you know, a new skincare product, but it might be something that's really big going on in Melbourne that they can experience and have a wonderful time doing. You've got a family. I do. A husband. Mm-hmm. Are your challenges sort of managing all parts I think of I'm, your life? I think, it's, I think I'm so lucky that Breakfast Radio has come about now that my kids are older. Tom's 20, he's at uni, and Ronnie, okay. who's 22, is an apprentice pastry chef. So they're still living at home and still kind of expect a meal on the table sometimes, but mostly they're independent. So it's a lot easier. It's not like I'm dealing with the school run in the morning or having to make a school lunch or, you know, I can tell them to go to the shops and buy their own dinner, really. So it's really good. I love the age that they're at and being a mum of kids in their, you know, late teens, early 20s, and now they're moving into their early 20s. It's, it gives you a lot more freedom. And uh, I don't know if I would have coped so well with the brekkie hours having younger kids that were much more demanding. Was it easier doing the evening work on TV Definitely. when they were a lot younger? Yes, yeah. yes. So I, w- I actually 
got out of it really well because my mum eventually retired and it was a great support to our family and my stepfather Ken and so they would come over and do the school pickup because I'd be at work and often Fletch would be doing neighbours and and they cooked them dinner so I didn't even have to cook dinner it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> the um the thing I like about radio is the people who work on it are allowed to maybe have a little bit more personality. Yes, that's exactly. And people exactly. on television think that's yes, right. Yes, that's definitely the case. And I think that I'm enjoying being able to show people some of my personality, that I'm not just a straight-laced, boring, stereotypical sort of <laughs> newsreader, that I can be fun as well and a bit cheeky. Yeah. Were you more conscious of your personality? And because a lot of people knew you when you're on TV, the restrictions you, that come with yeah, it. Yeah, yes, was yes, it, yes. You know? um, I had lots of wonderful bosses in TV news over the years. And as I said, Carmel Travers was the only female of all the men. They were fantastic except for one who I won't <laughs> name. And he said to me, "I had to behave as if I was the queen." and not put, you know, a little finger out of place. So right. I did feel a little bit of pressure at that point from that particular individual. There were restrictions with things like one time I thought I was doing a really nice thing taking part in the Alana and Madeline Foundation ball where they ask celebrities to get on stage and kind of attempt to sing. Maybe it's more amusing if you make a fool of yourself for the audience, but you're doing it for a great cause, which is helping children who are the victims of violence in terrible situations, family, domestic violence, etc. So, and when you take part in these events, there's so much organisation and so many people who are volunteering their time that you don't want to be a diva and say, oh, I won't wear that costume. So when they gave me a costume to sing in, which showed my tummy because it was a 70s disco number, I thought, oh, well, I'm not wearing it all night. It's only on stage for a few minutes, then I'll put my very demure cocktail dress back on. And I thought, no one will even see it. But, of course, there were three photographs in the Herald Sun, yep. one on the banner on the front page, <laughs> page three, big shot, and then a middle page spread, including a montage of shots from the night and another shot of me. So that did not go down well at Channel 10 and caused a few problems. But, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. So it is hard getting that balance right. Do you think over the years there's been less restrictions on men? Oh, definitely, doing, yeah. definitely. And and men were given a lot more privileges. I remember Mal Walden would often be invited to things that I was not included in, even though ostensibly we're doing the same role. On a small matter, I remember one instance where he was invited to a Barbara Streisand concert and I wasn't, and I went downstairs and asked the general manager's secretary, not demanding, I said, look, would love to go if there was a spare ticket, not fussed if there isn't. And I had a particular male executive come into my office and say, how dare you ask for a ticket? How dare you be expected to be treated on the same level as Mal Walden? Get real. This is commercial TV. Wow. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. You would hope things have changed a lot. but I'm, I'm sure they I'm have. Still, there's probably still little things like that that might go on. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that would happen no. at Smooth either. No, no, no I mean, maybe no. In, in TV still. No, I, I, I would hope it's... not. I think now after the Me Too movement, everyone will be a lot more careful about those kinds of things, which is a great thing sure. and to be celebrated. Yes, yeah. Looking back on your career, what sort of learnings have you picked up that you would give to people who might listen to this and think, oh, you know... I they want to start out in journalism. Yeah. I think it's a lot tougher now because there are so many more platforms and budgets shrinking, especially in, in television. But if you're passionate about it and you have a natural curiosity about the world and you want to be a journalist, then go for it. But I would say don't have a gap year. Just get into it straight away. The minute you start uni, get part-time jobs in the industry while you're studying so that you're always showing potential bosses that you're interested from the word go. Work for free if you have to as work experience just so you can add that to your resume it also means you're meeting people who are then more prepared to give you a break if they've seen you being you know showing some 
potential in the industry from the word go. Yeah. It's sort of somewhat frowned on these days, isn't it, taking staff on for free? But well, um, work experience, though, is Yeah, yeah, but I, but I still think if you're really keen, if you're good, it's almost guaranteed and if you're getting your work. Exactly, because then you meet people and it's mm. often knowing people that is the key. Absolutely. How strategic have you been sort of when you think about your career? I think back to when I was young and I was very independent. You know, I moved out of home, was in a shared house, working three jobs while I was studying full-time at uni. And sometimes when I'm talking to, say, my friend's children or my son's friends who are studying and whinging about things, I think, gee, you've got it really easy and, you know, you just have no idea. So when I look back and, you know, I mean, I made plenty of mistakes over the years, but I think when I was younger at that particular point starting out and I was very keen and hungry to be successful, I think, wow, you actually did work your guts out and good on you. (laughs) What sort of motivated you back then? You sound like you were really, you know, up for it. Well, I think there was one particular experience that I went through when I was 17 in year 12. I was always competitive at school. I was involved in a group. It was an all-girls school, which I think does help because you're not feeling threatened or overshadowed by your fellow male students. But the particular group I was in was very academically, very competitive. So we would actually keep a track of who got how many A's and B's and C's and God forbid you've got to see. So that was good at spurring you on. But then in the middle, of, well, at the beginning of year 12, I'd had a medical problem with one of my legs. And finally, long story short, they had to do a biopsy and found a tumour. So I think when you're that age and you're faced with your mortality, that is a game changer because you suddenly realise there is an end date on your life. And I was very lucky. It wasn't cancer. It ended up being a benign tumour. So... That was fine, but for the period in time where you're diagnosed with a tumour to, in those days, it took quite a long time before you actually go into hospital, have the operation and then find the result. That's quite a long time of thinking, gee, this this could be it. And that really makes you reassess your life. And I guess looking back, you were sort of fortunate to get that early Probably. on, that, that sort yes, of scare, absolutely. right? And that yes. really kicked you along a little it bit. It did. Best career move, do you think, or something that sort of, you know, changed... Uh Well, I suppose the two biggest jobs I've had are Channel 10 and working here. But I think early on, in particular, when I was at Peter Isaacson, I had a wonderful editor at Hospitality Magazine, Ian Ross, who sadly has since passed away, but he also became a very close friend and he was a really important mentor back then. So I think, you know, taking his advice and just continuing to plug away and try your best, aim for the top. You know, I had people who said when I was wanting to get into TV that maybe I didn't have the right look or I had one radio guy say that I didn't have a voice for radio. So (laughs) it's fun uh, to be able to look around. And I actually ran into him at the ABC many years later when I did some TV work there after Channel 10 and I'd kept his rejection letter and I showed it to him. (laughs) Bit of fun. Yeah, how did he take that? Oh, he was surprised he didn't remember it. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you seem like someone who's sort of got it all now. Do you feel like that or do you still I think, think I'm at a very I, I am at a good point in my life, for sure. Um, I think we all go through terrible ups and downs and problems that come out of the blue. I mean, you know, I've got a great husband, but, you know, hey, we've had our ups and downs over the years. I lost a very close friend several years ago who took her own life. So you go through terrible moments in life. Everyone does. But I think the most important thing is to look at the positives that you have in your life and focus on those. And I think that's the great thing about working at Smooth because it also is a very positive-focused station that it, you can't help but have it rub off on you a little bit, which mm. is a wonderful thing. Yeah. 
inspiration? What do you draw on these days for inspiration and to remain motivated? I think you look at other women in the industry, which is people who've had long-term careers, you know, even Ita Buttrose or Jana Vent, even Lisa Wilkinson, and see how they've conducted themselves with dignity and intelligence and I suppose commitment to their craft has been fabulous to watch. In terms of inspiration, just on a creative level, because I do love to write and I love to paint, for me it's going to the movies and seeing people like Daniel Day-Lewis on screen in Phantom Thread, you know, that's to me inspirational. Probably why I married an actor. I love people who have extraordinary talent. Yeah. Mm. Is Phantom Thread good? It's incredible. I think it should have won the Oscar actually. (laughs) But then again, Shape of Water is the one I hadn't seen, so I need to put that on the list. Yeah. Knowing that you've got a big female audience every morning, is that inspiring and keep you going too? Yes, yeah, and it's wonderful hearing their feedback and even little things like Jen's quiz, which, you know, I do with Mike every morning when you hear the listeners say, oh, we love listening to you every morning, it's great. You go, oh, really? Oh, it's just you sort of forget sometimes that that's the impact you're having and when you meet people at listener functions who talk to you like they know you because you forget in a way that you're sharing these stories about your family and they know so much about you that they feel quite a connection, which is lovely. Mm. You sort of indicated before you never really had the chance to act like a diva when you're in TV <laughs> because they, they didn't sort of give you that oh, no. give you that rope. Um, did you come across much of that sort of People who were divas? Not really. I think anyone who is really successful and brilliant at what they do in life are the people who are probably the nicest and most modest. And through Alan, you know, we've dealt with lots of well-known people. He's worked in the UK and even like Margot Robbie when she came back to Australia a couple of years ago for the races and all she wanted to do was hang out with her neighbours' buddies in the marquee and she was just so down-to-earth and delightful. I think it's the people who you meet like that are the ones who don't have the egos or behave like divas. Sometimes it's the D-grade celebrities who are the ones who think they're owed something and, you know, that behave terribly. Hmm. Working with Fletch or living with Fletch, has that given you insights into the total showbiz world that maybe not a lot of other people in the media would have, so you really get to see it all? You do, you do. And he's been involved in shows in the UK like Soap Star, Superstar. Get a whole lot of soap stars together for a massive (laughs) singing competition like Australian Idol. That's fascinating to watch. But, you know, I love that experience because I was just hanging out as the wife of. In fact, they even put the super on the screen. (laughs) They didn't even bother to find out my name. just said, wife of. Alan Fletcher. (laughs) Hilarious. But um, I got to, you know, enjoy just staying at a lovely hotel for two weeks and partying with all the people who were on that show. And that was fascinating to see how that all worked out. Yeah, it was really good. Did he compete in that? He did. And he did really well. But uh, sadly, we found out about six months down the track, it had been rigged and he could have won. It was an ITV show. So, of course, the winner was an ITV soap star. Okay. So he's got a better voice than you do? Oh, totally. Yes. We have sung together at the Alana and Madeline Foundation okay. twice. And yes. uh, no, he, he's definitely a better singer than me. I can carry a note, but I don't think that's ever going to be a career option. Mm. Mm. So what's the future hold for uh, Jen Hansen? For Fletch and I, we would like to travel as much as we can because we both enjoy that and we travel well together. So travel is a big thing. Uh, Working in radio for as long as possible is important. I think now that people are living longer, I think we've come to realise that retirement is not necessarily a great thing. When you talk to older people, if they give up their work, they're usually very depressed. 
Right. So I think working and having a sense of purpose is very important. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a fair bit left in you, you think? Definitely, yes. <laughs> oh, no, I'm only 25 mentally. <laughs> a long way to go. <laughs> All right. Look, that's probably a good place to leave it, 25-year-old uh, Jen Hanson. Thank you very much. It's yep. been uh, great chatting to you and <laughs> Thank continued you, success uh, with Smooth FM. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of In Her Own Words. To hear more episodes from inspirational women as part of this podcast series, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, listen at novaentertainment.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts.